0: To uh, on the path to meet, to recognize one another, and to uh, share maps,
1: and to uh, realize that the maps are part of it, but behind the maps, here we are. Here
0: we are. Here we are. We are here today with Orlando-based artist and just extraordinary human being, Mr. Eric Pabon. Eric, uh, introduce yourself.
1: Hey, Will. Thank you for having me on. I am. I've been excited to do this since you asked me about it. And, uh, I came prepared, you know, I, I, uh, I sat down with just the idea of getting on and talking to you about this. Um, and it's exciting because nobody ever asks, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's, uh, and that what podcasting's about Eric. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, my name is, uh,
1: <laughs> my name is Eric Babone. I, like you said, I'm based out of, uh, Orlando, Florida and, um, what is there that's of interest to know about me i i host a podcast uh called masters of the cinematic universe with uh, joseph o'rourke and doug christ and i just have my hands on a lot of creative stuff i'm an artist i'm a uh quote unquote musician and uh i just like to to get messy with it man you
0: messy yeah what, yeah, what you the get... hell what goes on with the, with the band bro it's it's gotta be messy
1: you just you know you gotta you gotta make a mess you gotta get out nah, there that's punk rock creativity man. is just a, it's a messy endeavor you know it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of
0: <laughs> trial and error so uh, yeah tell me about it that's why it's been six months since we've made a podcast <laughs> uh, so alright so the premise of this we're gonna basically divide it into two sections okay I sent you the questions so I didn't want to blindside you I wanted you to uh, kind of have an idea of what was coming
1: uh, how many pages of notes? I have. Well, I'll tell you exactly. I will not uh, sugarcoat it. I have prepared for you ten pages of.
0: Oh, it is it is increased
1: Microsoft <laughs> Word uh, size fourteen font notes.
0: All right. Well, it is it is time to hear you talk. All right. So the first part is going to be you know your general religious upbringing. What led you to here? Right. Right and the second part the second set of questions are honestly kind of um uh for my own enjoyment like i just uh i enjoy hearing perspectives i enjoy hearing thoughts and i like talking about this shit so we're going to do that in the uh, in the second half all right man so give us just a little rundown of your religious upbringing like where would you come from what kind of what was the fam like Got gotcha. you. What would look like for you?
1: I have to say right off the bat,
0: my family is wonderful.
1: Um, loving, supportive parents, wonderful people in my life. I mean, my family was was just always there for me in a huge way. So, even just talking about some of like the religious trauma, I don't want to give people the wrong idea upfront. Um, but on the other side of the coin, I have been told, especially lately, not to minimize your trauma. Um,
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You know, we have a tendency to do this thing where we compare apples to oranges. And uh, even in the context of religious trauma, it's like, whoa, I didn't experience anything like that. Like, you know, heinous, heinous stuff. But the stuff I experienced did have a huge impact on me um, in a lot of ways we'll talk about. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that on front street. Um, it's not about feelings. That's so important. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's the thing with trauma, man, is I went through that a lot. Like, I did not get treatment for my trauma. And, you know, I've mentioned that mine wasn't religious in nature, but I, I have trauma aplenty. And uh, you do. you. It, it's I think it's natural. And that's one of the reasons that I didn't seek treatment for a long time because I was like, well, man, people have been through a lot worse shit than me. Yeah. But it's important, I think, so just get that out there that if, if it's traumatic to you, it's traumatic. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what, you know, your family thinks about it or your friends think about it or, you know, some stranger on the Internet says about
1: it. Totally. That's a, it's a huge lesson and it's hard to get there. Um, yes, it is very hard. But, yeah, just talking about my sort of religious or, or spiritual upbringing, I'm a third generation Puerto Rican. Um, my family's rooted in the uh, kind of Roman Catholic tradition. So that's what I grew up with. It wasn't, it was kind of typical of like the Americanized Roman Catholic tradition. And what what I mean by that is it wasn't um, so in your face. You know, it was, it was mass on Sunday. If you missed a Sunday, wasn't a huge deal. You know what I mean? It wasn't one of those situations where you're like constantly with the um, Bible studies and the, and the going at, you know, during the week, I mean, oh my God, no, no, thank you. <laughs> so it was a it was a casual kind of Catholicism um, that I grew up with. Um, what I took from it as a kid, and I was all in, by the way, I was a believer and in this faith um, for a good chunk of my my early life. And uh, what I took from it was. Um, When you're in it, it's really hard to be objective about it. I mean, from the outside, Catholicism is uh, pretty creepy. It's pretty, it's, it's, uh, it's such an old um, take on, on a, you know, on a, on a practice. So there's so much um, kind of the words I'm, I'm, I should refer, I should refer to my 10 pages of notes here. There was just like this this haunted kind of like opulence to it. Like you would go into these churches and it was it was so somber. Like it was such a and, and if you ask a Catholic about that, you know, they'll talk about um the fact that it's very guilt centric, the the Catholic perspective. Um which is a part of the trauma, by the way. Um No. Yeah <laughs> you don't say no. <laughs> But yeah, it felt it felt very much like stepping into a time machine, you know, and and you'd enter this space where, you know, like I said, it was opulent and there were men in robes and it it was it was almost cult like
0: Um, as as an outsider, mm -hmm. as uh, I've always found because my grandmother was German. So she was Orthodox Roman Catholic and i went to mass with her a few times and i always found the catholic pomp and circumstance in this ceremony to be like hauntingly beautiful yeah sure you know what i mean but i'm also like super into like golf shit, you know I mean? like, <laughs> it It hit me right in the feels you i know, also
1: really right uh, i love the movie the crow so it just yeah, uh... <laughs> oh dude yeah what are you talking about man but yeah it, it you know even even as an atheist and someone who was um you know part of that faith there is something comforting about being in that environment. Um, you know, whether it's purely psychological or whatever the case may be. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy the, the sensory experience, the smells, you know, the, the, the way there's just something about it. Maybe it's nostalgia. Um, I don't know, but yeah, that was, that was what I grew up with. And, um, you know, it's, it wasn't pushed on me in a, in a violent way. Um, it was offered up to me as an explanation for the why of it all. Like this is this is the answer. There's a God, Jesus, he died for your sins, etc. You know the story, right? So that right. was that was the framework that
0: I was given to work with. And now were there any were there any alternative options given or in pure Catholic fashion, was that that is what it is. This is the uh, truth, the way and the light, as they say.
1: Well, you know, when it comes to family I think there's sort of an unspoken expectation that this is what we believe and you're part of that. We, and it's natural to question things. And I think I was encouraged to question things. Um, but I also think that when it comes to family and how personal those beliefs are, there's a fear to stray too far from that. Um, you know, because again, it's the, we, it's the, us, it's the, this is our, um, belief system. And uh, and you want very much to be a part of that, even when you start to question the sort of makeup of it. Um,
0: so, at what age do you did that happen? What age did you start to question things and maybe realize that you weren't you weren't all in?
1: You know, I, I started to have these sort of like aha moments as a kid, um, and one of the big ones was with. Um, well, I'll frame it to you this way. I didn't pick up on it then, but it meant a lot to me later. It was being told that Santa Claus wasn't real, right? Because I was an all-in. I know. i sorry. <laughs> in theory. I was all-in on that. I loved it. And, um, you know, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, all that stuff. In fact, on Easter Sunday, I looked out the window in our house, and I saw a rabbit sprint away from the bushes. So I, it, for me that was confirmation that this thing that I believed I had my proof there was the evidence right I was I was you know so I remember when my parents told me you know the, the time came I don't remember exactly what age it was but we had the santa conversation I accepted that even though it was hard but I countered well but I know the easter bunny's real
0: <laughs> cuz I saw it. I saw him I saw the easter bunny yeah,
1: bro I saw it and um <laughs> Yeah. The, so, so the lesson there that came years later and, and after I sort of came out of this whole, um, belief system was the Santa thing is kind of awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it sort of teaches you, uh, it, it gives you sort of the tools for, for being rational. And when you start to question, well, how can he go to, each house in one night and, and how, you know, the physics of these flying reindeer, like it's just not tracking. (laughs) Um, they're so useful. Those, those little tools. And uh, the big part of it is that the learning the truth initially was a disappointment. It, it, you know, I was kind of heartbroken, but with age and experience and wisdom, the truth is way more beautiful than the, the mythology the truth was that I had parents that loved me so much that even though they wanted to go to bed at 10 30 11 o'clock that night they were tracking in fake footprints you know they were creating (laughs) this thing for me just just out of love right? right um so that was a that was a big lesson as as far as like when I started to really question my religion um I think, I think it took until, like, my teen years because I, I so badly wanted to be, um, like, a, a cocksure believer. And, you know, I didn't understand why my prayers weren't being answered in the way that it seemed like everybody else's were or why I wasn't so um, confident in my belief. But it felt like, well, that, that must be a me problem because, again, Catholic,
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? So— Why do you think you, as a kid, because I experienced a little bit of that. Like, I just thought I didn't get it. You know what I mean? I saw these people that were having all their, you know, the, the religious experiences, the involvement in their churches, like all this stuff. And I thought, well, man, I don't like, I'm missing something. What am I missing? Like, I don't, you know, and do you think that's just like societal pressure society being your immediate group, like your friends and the people you're around? Or is that, is that something that's intrinsic in all of us?
1: I think it's intrinsic intrinsic in all of us. And I think you have a tendency to feel like you're on an island when you feel that way. I think everybody feels that way. And I just I just feel like it's not, um, when it comes to religion, that's not something that you want to put out on front street. Doubt, you know what I mean? Doubt is, right. is yeah, for sure. not your friend. So I feel like a lot of people just sort of cope with that or bury that deep down and move on. Whereas, you know... Right. There, there are fewer of us that get stuck on it. And we're like, well, hold on a second,
0: why, why, why? So, is there is there a specific person that had you question things like a parent or something, or is it is it something you just kind of stumbled on on your own?
1: Well, I I think um, I was always so interested in science, and I was always um, learning about uh, science and the the natural world, the universe. I mean, you know, Stephen Hawking, like like these were. Big influences in my life, and they were at such odds with, um, you know, what I was taught, um, you know, from a from a religious point of view. So those were like sort of the speed bumps, right? It was like, well, right. I'm learning about physics, and I'm and I'm learning about all of the, you know evolutionary biology, and um, again, my framework is Adam and Eve and the Ark, and you know, it, it, right. So there was another big moment for me in in my sort of journey where I started to look at the Bible because the Bible for Catholics is not necessarily understood or read in, in.
0: I don't think it's (laughs) just Catholics, bro.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want to say it. I don't want to say it. (laughs) I'll say it. They, so they were ever present. Like they were in every home. Um, but almost just as a token,
0: you know, it's just, it was right. it was a decoration, more or less. Right. It's it's a it's a um a comforting piece of furniture. Yeah. And <laughs> that's uh, know, that's pretty is. good. I like that. Yeah. Um so you know, I started to to think
1: I believe in this, like with my whole heart, you know, or at least I wanted to. Mm. Why haven't I read this book that the whole thing is predicated on? You know, we we believe mm. that. Literally, the word of the creator of existence is in a book that's like half the size of Stephen King's It, right? <laughs> I never
0: looked at it like that, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And yeah. it's like, well, I read Stephen King's It. It was pretty good, but I've never read this book. and And to be honest with you, I don't really know anyone who has. As many religious people as there are around me, I don't know anybody who has. I know people who have read parts of it um i know who people who can you know kind of name drop the stuff they like and flip to it mm-hmm. but uh, as a cover to cover ordeal i didn't know anybody who had read it so i i decided that i would be the first person that i knew to do that um and i did and it was pretty eye opening um you know there was just a lot in there that i wasn't aware of because when you're talking about catholicism you're when you go to mass, they're reading from something called a uh, kind of a liturgical um mm. book, so all of that stuff is picked out and put on the calendar, and you're getting like the highlight reel of the Bible. And, mm. and you're not even reading it, it's being read to you, it's being interpreted sort of for you. And the homily that the priest would give during this mass is is how we can apply what I've just told you to your life and all of that stuff. Um, but once that's done, it's not like you have homework. It's not like you're going back, okay, right. like the, you move on to the next mass. And, and now we're going to talk about the time that Jesus flipped the table and stuff. And you, so you know pieces of it, um, mm-hmm. but you don't get the full picture. And it was eye-opening in that there was so much in there that, A, didn't make sense to me. Um not just from a scientific perspective but from a, a moral perspective. I was really confused by what I was reading because you're given the sort of God is love, you know, a side of the coin. Mm-hmm. And when you read that book, um you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: the the God you're character, sure, really. um, there's a lot of issues there. There's a lot of a lot of problems with that. Um, with that character. And it didn't stop at the old Testament because the argument was always, mm. well, that doesn't count. Right. Right. <laughs> and the new Testament had just as many problems for me. Um, it seemed like whoever was writing about Jesus was writing about a different character, uh, because he acted so differently in these different books. And and on the one hand you had this sort of P, uh, Prince of peace persona, um, mm. Which I, I, I dug and I still do. Um, but then you have Jesus saying things like, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide, you know, right. son from his mother and father. And stuff that I didn't agree with. So it's like, if I feel like this, um, I don't know. It just it just created this, this sort of um, light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, well, maybe this is, is a flawed belief system because... It's based on something that's that's literally arguing
0: with itself sometimes and and that I too have had a lot of issues with the Bible now i went um, we went through a period where I was going to church where I tried really hard to fit in to be a part of it, and I really dug in and i took uh, I went to a Christian university I took apologetics classes theology classes all that and and to me. <clears throat> it's impossible to make arguments from that book because that book is an anthology Mm. over spread out over the course, written over what a thousand years with how many different authors and different editors and different cultural norms. And, you know, some of the things they're talking about in that book weren't, don't make any sense to us because it's not the cultural norm anymore. And they were speaking out about very specific incidents that, that they saw as moral ineptitude in citizens at the time. Right. And, I mean, you get, okay, the the best way I've ever thought of it is, you know, you, so, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering here. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, man. The Bible was canonized during the Synod of Rome by Pope Damasus. If I'm not, it, I could be incorrect, but that's the way I understand it. It was canonized, which was a thousand some years after the time of the historical Christ. Right, right. That's a long time. It is a long and time. anybody... Anybody that played uh, telephone as a kid and you pass it around the room, you know what I mean? It gets around 20 kids and it's completely different than it, you know, than it started. So, And then you factor in uh, the Catholic Church ruled the world. They controlled everything. So religion was so tightly intertwined with power that it, I, the Bible basing every argument off of biblical scripture is difficult for me without faith, then that's the whole thing. Like, if you got faith, then you're good. If you don't, then you don't. Right. And I think when I was going to church, that's why Calvinism really appealed to me or really kind of struck a chord with me because I was like, well, I don't get it, so maybe I'm just not supposed to get it. You know what I mean? Sure. It was the only system in the whole thing that made sense to me. I could see that. I could definitely
1: see that. I I think for me, it was, you know... yes, it was factually wrong in places. So that was, that was kind of disturbing, right? Because there are instances in which we now know better and that doesn't gel Mm -hmm. with, you know, omniscience, right? Like it's, it's right. So there was that of course, but there was also, um, you know, on a moral ideological level, um, it, it, it didn't, it didn't mesh with modern morality. So right. if I, if I find myself, even if you're talking about faith and even if you're, well, even if I believe this God exists, should I be worshiping it? Because,
0: oh, man. um, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 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 that's a, I mean, I mean, I joke, but dude, that's, that's it. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of people that run into that, that very question.
1: Right. And there's, there's a lot of cheap ways out of that question. There's a lot of, well, you know, he works in mysterious ways as a sort of, like, shut up and, right. and slam the door on, on that question. Um, but, you know, it's that old analogy, like if you're sitting at the bottom of a hill and, you know, a distracted mother loses track of her stroller and, and it's, it's careening toward you and there's traffic near you, um, would you get up and stop that stroller? And... If you don't say yes to that question, then I'm not sure we can be friends, right? Right. Pretty right. much universally, everybody
0: has the same answer to that question. Not me. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh-oh. So how long would you say, the popular term is deconstruction, uh, of of people that are leaving the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. So how long would you say that process took Was it something that happened overnight? Did, uh, was there like a landslide of events or, you know, I feel like these things could go either. Way.
1: Wasn't overnight. Um, I don't know exactly how long it took, but I was always grasping for even the slightest thing to give me the confidence that, okay, yes, no, I believe this. It, it, it makes sense. I remember sitting in a car, um, and having this sort of like existential panic of like, I I just, I'm not sure that I believe this. And on the radio, the Jackson five came on and it was, (laughs) I'll be there. And you know, that was to me, I'm like, oh, well that's, that's the sign, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the sign from uh, God. And those were the kind of evidences that I accepted to kind of keep me strong along in in this thing for as long as I was, um, I wish that, but then again I understand the need for it so um it was a long process it it happened in stages it was all it was all fueled by learning uh, it was just lots of learning, lots of reading, lots of research into um not just my religion but other Abrahamic religions, Eastern religions. And then into other, um, quote unquote, mythology, you know, learning about the sort wow. of connective tissues between faiths that occurred during different ages in, in you know, um, human history. So when you start to look at the stuff that preceded Christianity, and how much Christianity borrowed from it, it, it opens up this world of like, wow, we're, we're really just plagiarizing ourselves over and over and over again, mm-hmm. because the things that, that work for people, work for people, and the things that stick, stick. Um, but the, you know, the idea and the story surrounding Jesus as the Savior of, of mankind, so much of that is borrowed from so much. And and I had no idea. You know, that's not something right. that, that was offered up by anybody. Or that's not even fair. I don't think anybody was aware of it, to offer it up.
0: Because, and, you know, we've said on this podcast, and I believe two things about religion. Number one, it's geographic. You know, we, you are involved in a religion because of where you grew up and the community that's around you. Right. Uh, Number two, I believe that religions only have power because people give them power now you know the conversation of you know the sky wizard thing whatever like that's that's a whole different conversation but i'm talking about religions themselves as being a moral guiding light uh it's it's it always comes back to us Mm -hmm. and i i think in that way i guess i share a lot of uh you know your atheistic perspective now we do disagree on some things but um, i'll give you that like it's uh you know it's 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 us Like, and I think it's always been us, and we are what gives religions the power that they have. And, I mean, that goes true with authority of any kind or anything, really. Like, it's always, you know, things have authority, moral authority over us because we allow them to. Just government, anything. Don't even get me started on my anarchist, uh, you know, my anarchy. (laughs) I'll I'll spare you that. That's another podcast, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm very interested in that man no so, I, th- I think you're right I, you know and obviously like there there has been a pretty good reason for those um, those systems to be in place I, I'm not one of those people that thinks that um, you know religion should be raised from the face of the earth I understand the need uh, you know I understand what it provides um, for some people and what it has provided I just, we'll, we'll get into it, um, you know, later in the conversation, but it starts to bleed over into, um, policy and politics and government, and it starts to influence things that at this point, I feel like we know it shouldn't, um, Mm -hmm. it's where I have a, a, you know, I have a problem with it. and, And I also have a problem with, um, anything that slams the door on discovery, and i I feel like that's a lot of what religion does but i'm I'm digressing early. I apologize. we were talking about deconstruction um you know, like I said, I'm reading a lot of science, I'm reading a lot of religion, I'm reading a lot of um you know astronomy physics biology and and I know just light reading just light reading yeah just coffee table books things like that yeah <laughs> but i'm 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 starting to slowly become more confident um you know, just less afraid. There's so much fear and guilt and shame and and all of these really what? heavy um, experiences that go along with um, feeling like you're supposed to be doing something and you're not. You're supposed to be feeling something
0: and you're not. So you scared? Are you scared of of God? Are you scared of retribution? Are you scared of of abandonment from your family that we're we're in your corner? What what are you scared of?
1: Scared of all of
0: it, all of it.
1: I mean, it it, it is so fear-based. Just, you know, take
0: the family out of it,
1: right? Just the principles of the faith are so fear-based where it's, you know, reward and punishment. It's like you're going to do the right things or you're going to burn in hell for eternity. Like right off of the bat as a child, I think we take for granted what a heavy and what a negative concept that is to have to wrestle with all the time, just internally. Right. Um, and then you're you're in the position as a as you know potential non-believer, you're flipping the ultimate bird to your former faith. You're this is the most egregious of all of the sins that you could you know potentially do. Um, you know this is not swearing in the car. This is not you know skipping mass on Sunday. This is saying I don't believe that you exist, God. Um, complete and total blasphemy. Complete and total blasphemy. That's a, a huge punishable no-no. So you're you're grappling with that, right? Um, because I, I don't believe that anybody should ever be one hundred percent secure in any belief. You always have to leave some room right. for doubt. Could I be wrong? Um, hundred <laughs> percent,
0: dude. You. It sounds like you did the. Um... You went through the inverse of Pascal's wager. Are it's, you familiar with the wager?
1: I am. It's it's yeah. very much the inverse of Pascal's wager, um, and and yeah, I have issues with Pascal's wager. I think it's kind of a cop out. But um, for sure, yeah. I I just so there was of course the fear of like, oh my god, I could be totally wrong about this, and then I'm just fucked, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but there's also the social side of it. There's the familial side of it you know it took me a long time to get up the nerve to to quote unquote come out as an atheist even after i was comfortable with it right. myself because of that and there's still issues with that i th- i think i've gotten to a good place with my family but there's still um you know some headbutting that that happens and there's still some difficulties that happen i think i'm more fortunate than than a lot of people i know that have left their respective faiths when it comes to being accepted and, and all of that. But, um, it does rear its head from time to time for sure.
0: I think one of the things I've noticed about atheism in my, in my explorations or whatever is, uh, some of you guys are dicks, man. Like, you (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, uh, like and that, that is the trauma in my opinion. That's the trauma speaking. If you come at a situation like totally angry and pissed off and that's because, you know you're mad about what happened to you yes. rightfully so and i think that's what to me that's what turns me off to a lot of atheists you know it's like man i, I get where you're coming from like and you, you are definitely not like this but some guys are like you, you know whether or not they're making sense it's how they deliver it and if they're assholes everybody's like Ugh, like well i'm,
1: that's, I'm not gonna that's mention a, any names richard a, dawkins, but. but richard dawkins it's a that's a fantastic <laughs> point and it's and it's accurate, man. I so for me, like, I was really excited to talk about atheism with you on this podcast because I wanted to sort of address some of the misconceptions about it yeah. um, from people on the outside of it. And one of them is that sort of angry atheist thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's been such a positive force in my life, and it and it always throws people for a loop when I talk about it in that way because we are like, whoa. What do you mean? We're we're looking at it as the absence of something meaningful to us. Like we're we're sad for you.
0: Like you don't get to be happy, you know? So people confuse atheism with nihilism. I oh, think yeah. a lot of times. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they they are two totally different animals. <laughs> totally. And not that there aren't nihilistic atheists, but for sure.
1: But they're, you know, for me atheism led to humanism um, which we'll talk about and you know Atheism gets lumped in with the beliefs as a non-belief, which is this really strange thing. So it's like, you know, uh, atheism is a belief, like like not collecting stamps as a hobby. I believe is is what's commonly said about it. It's it's not. I did you see? I know you like that one. It's not a dogma. It's not a creed. There's nothing to atheism. Other than the statement that I don't believe there's enough evidence to support a God belief okay there's nothing else so what you do with your life when you're a person who fits into that category is totally separate from atheism and um, but I think atheism can lead you there and that's that's what I get excited about now
0: does that does that um, view on it? Leave you open to the fact that if there were ever enough evidence to convince you of of uh, intelligent design, I guess would be the term in, in in some of the circles. Does that leave you open to considering that if there were enough evidence? So, uh, oh my god, basically, yes. yes. So you're saying it's not that it's absolute. No, no, no. It's that I have yet to be convinced.
1: Right. There's so I'm not. I'm not the one who's making a claim
0: right hmm. when it when That's it comes
1: true. to the this world view all i'm saying is that the claim that you're making i don't see the evidence for it now if, if the evidence presented itself it doesn't matter what i want to think or what i want to believe the evidence is the evidence so if there is convincing evidence for something then it becomes a fact it doesn't become a belief it doesn't require faith um you know i was watching a a debate between uh Ken Ham who's this kind of Leader in the creationist community, He's, he runs the um the Ark Museum, and <laughs> oh, I'm he, familiar. yeah. <laughs> and he was he was debating. It's close to me,
0: so I have family that goes to the Ark Museum all the time. Oh, I, I really it's in Kentucky. I would love to go. I would really I have, love to go. I have a little wooden ark that was brought to me by family. Oh,
1: I would. I, I want to see actually it. Actually, kind of cool theater. looking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so he's it's a thing
1: I know oh, I've seen the videos it's uh, its alarming but Ken, Ken is debating Bill Nye famously Bill Nye the science guy and um, the whole kind of crux of the debate boiled down to this one question that was asked of both of them towards the end and it was what would it take for you to change your position and they asked Ken and Ken's answer was like well I'm a Christian so Nothing like nothing you know would sway me out of that that position, and they asked Bill Nye, the science guy, what would it take to convince you that you know ken's position is is correct, and he said, just one piece of evidence, one piece of credible evidence that shows that you know um rock formations occurred in four thousand years, you know anything, anything mm-hmm. but just one thing, and that was so important because you know i think people have a tendency to look at atheists as as like know-it-alls or you know assholes assholes or just like <laughs> just you know like it's an assault on my intelligence right like this guy's mm. telling me what i believe is stupid and it's not it's not about that it's really just more about um again the whole, the crux of the whole thing is like i'm i'm willing to accept Um, any hypothesis but if you can't provide evidence and good evidence you know that's that's a a problem um okay and just for me personally i i haven't found any credible evidence i found a lot of evidence that would support uh, a naturalistic worldview Mm -hmm. and um you know, you get asked questions sometimes or, or you get challenged sometimes as an atheist. Well, like, well, how did the universe start? Like, you can't have fucking something from nothing, like that kind of stuff. Right. And it's <laughs> like, well, I have a book, right, that's the, that's titled Something from Nothing, right? Like, The Creation of the Universe <laughs> by by Professor Lawrence Krauss. I could hand you that book and you could read it and really understand, you know, what's being presented but you're
0: not going to do that.
1: You, you're really just trying to bolster your right. point of view with, you know, pot shots.
0: People don't, uh, typically people don't seek truth. They seek confirmation. Yes, uh, and, that's and, huge. And, that's, and um, you know, bringing it back to you personally, does your entire immediate family practice atheism? Or I mean, can you practice atheism? I don't guess it's something you practice. It's uh <laughs>
1: We have our yeah do you, our Sunday brunches and stuff. No. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: do you, do so, you have like you know pictures of Carl Sagan and shrines and stuff? Or how does this work? Like that's a like, great idea. Like one <laughs> of you know because uh, as a Puerto Rican, like the, the saints, the candles were huge. Yeah, dude, you need a Carl Sagan a candle. Carl Sagan candle. Oh my god! I'm sure it exists. I know it exists. It has to. Has to. Um. So my
1: immediate family, you know, I have three kids. As a parent, like, I felt it was so important to to avoid some of these pitfalls that I experienced. So I never wanted my kids to have to navigate any of that kind of turmoil, right? Um, so, like, we have a really open dialogue. We talk a lot about what people believe. Um, more importantly, I think, like, why they believe it. And they have a really deep understanding of belief, way deeper than I had in childhood. Um, there's... there's these really amazing conversations that I have with my daughter where, you know, and, and we look at stuff. I mean, we learn things together. We research religions together. There's these ancient religions where these people just could not understand like what happened to the sun, man, it was right there. And they needed, we'll get into this later. This is a huge topic, but um, it creates a sense of panic in you when you don't understand something. Sure. So that's,
0: that's human, man. That's anything yeah. uh, going back for frustration and yeah. anger. And yeah.
1: So naturally there was a big invisible guy in the sky with a invisible lasso and he was pulling it, you know, yeah. that, that makes that closed the door on that. And that provided the, the, the bomb, the sob, the comfort for that burning question. Right. Right. And there's so many examples of that throughout human history. So we, we do look at all of that stuff and, and why it made sense then and why it doesn't, you know, w- once we learned, um, you know, it's all about like those gaps in knowledge. Like what do you want to fill them with? Do you want to fill them mm-hmm. with because God and then just never think about it again? Or, That's the easiest. Yeah. Or do you want <laughs> to get on with the process of figuring shit out? Um, we're, we're huge proponents of, I don't know. It's my favorite sentence because if the kids ask me something and I don't know, and and I like to give myself a little bit of credit, like I know some stuff, but right. if, <laughs> if I don't know, that's so fucking exciting because we get to figure it out together, you know. Um, so I I I didn't want to tell my kids what to think. Like I didn't want it to be like we're atheists and we don't believe in God and, blah blah, <laughs> and that's it. I, I'm very honest about how I feel and the kids know how I feel about, about God and the afterlife and and all of that. Um, But again, didn't want to tell them what to think, wanted to give them the tools to, to learn how to think about things like that. So just to be armed with, with knowledge and, and not just led down like a linear path where it's like, this is the thing that we believe. So that's how it must be. Like it's, you know, I, I tell them too, I could be wrong. I could be, I could be wrong they could be wrong. We could all be wrong. Um, you know, it's not, it's not about
0: being right. It's just about learning. It's just about figuring stuff out. So man, that is, that is so refreshing because I also have three kids and honestly, like I, I have tried to encourage that with my older two, like you can believe what you want, but you know, oddly they, one in particular has kind of developed an angry attitude towards, towards, uh, Christianity, which I don't, I don't get, <laughs> because, you know, they've never had, yeah, you know, they've never had that experience, but it, um, it, it's cool to hear because my little guy, he's eight and he's starting to ask questions because his, his, uh, great grandmother is very evangelical and, you know, does, you know, voice her views on a lot of things, <laughs> That's very and, diplomatic. Uh, I like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's hard for me, man, because I want, I don't want to push him in any direction. So, and I, and I don't really know how to approach it, like as a dad. So right now, the best I could do is lots of people believe lots of different things. And that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I know that's a bullshit answer, but that's the answer that I give right now. My wife and I were having this discussion the other day. <clears throat> and uh, it's it's good, it's good to hear that someone raising children is open to just letting them learn.
1: Yeah, now, now I I'll, I appreciate that, and but you may be giving me too much credit because whether we know it or not, we're always a little biased, and you know we're For always sure. wanting our children to sort of parrot our beliefs and and the things that are important to us. So I catch myself being a little bit too. Uh, you know, dismissive of things Mm -hmm. or I'm, I'm not perfect. And, and I can, I can get a little, um, I can get a little carried away with my atheism because, (laughs) um, you know, again, it's, it, it is something that, um, that I feel passionate about. So I try to temper that, you know, when I, when I see it happening and, and of course my kids do lean atheist just because we have learned so much about religion and, and, you know, I'm not, Again, I'm not trying to take shots, but so much of it doesn't make sense, um, right. even to them. You know, even as they're learning, you know, just the processes of rational thinking, they're like, "Well, that's bullshit." It's like, calm you down. Know, right. c- <laughs> you, <Yeah>. <laughs> you still, you still got to go to school with these people. Like, just right. relax.
0: <laughs> so I feel like this leads me into my next question, and I feel like I kind of know the answer. But do you feel the need to? Evangelize your atheism to not just your children, but just people in general. like I know you said nobody asked you <laughs> about this kind of stuff, but I'm here to tell you, like most people that have faith don't care if they're asked or not, you know oh, we've got people standing oh. on street corners with bullhorns. <laughs> yes, and uh, it's um do where we were in Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina, my wife and I on our anniversary, and there was a rather spirited group of evangelicals uh, singing loud boombox stuff right and this this story has no bearing on anything but it's funny and uh, so they're, they're doing their thing and they're you know there's banners and and preaching and singing and all this and there's one guy with a bass guitar no amp just an electric bass guitar <laughs> standing in front of them like you know maybe 10, 15 yards or so in front of them, like, screaming metal songs, like, over there. (laughs) It was, uh, you know, and it it really made me think about, like, why, like, I have never believed anything, and I'm, you know, I don't know, man, I've never believed anything enough that makes me want to stand on a street corner and scream about it. Do you, uh... Well, here's the
1: thing, right? Like... You always want to put yourself in in the other person's shoes, and now I understand if you really believe we're talking just about Christianity in in uh-huh. this in this example. If you really believe that you're being commanded to do the things that are asked of you in the Bible, and not the violent stuff, and not you know just the you know shepherding stuff, just the saving uh-huh. souls of it all, then I get it. I understand why you're doing it. I understand why you're screaming at me. I understand why you're, you know, um, it's a lot like the analogy I gave earlier, you know, with this, with the stroller, it's like, if you believe that my mortal soul is in danger, you know, something that I don't even necessarily believe in and that your actions are going to be the difference between salvation and damnation, then you're doing what you think is right. And you're, you're, you know, pushing me off the train tracks right before the train comes. You think right. you, your actions are noble, and I get it, and I
0: understand. Um, do I like it? No. <laughs> Where do you um, draw the line between fanaticism and tough love? Um, I think
1: when it starts to affect um, our lives. So, like my my children's public education, you know, book banning mm-hmm. and and policy and and things that. Like you can have whatever wacky beliefs you want. That's fine. That's your business. Right. And you can feel however you want to feel about me. That's fine. That's your business. Don't make my kids feel othered. Um, mm. You know, don't go out of your way to ruin it for everybody, quote unquote, because, right. <laughs> yeah, that's where I draw the line. As, as far as atheism and, and you know, like, do I feel a need to um, evangelize? No. It's as far as talk about it, it really depends. Um, it can be a landmine for people, so mm-hmm. I'm not going out there with the the shirt that says, "You know, I'm an atheist." Argue with me,
0: like that's not. Right. There are those atheists no, everywhere, there are. but there are also those Christians, and yeah, yeah, really, just those. I don't, you don't see a lot of other religions doing that kind of shit. Honestly. Not really. It's a, it's a very <laughs> Christianity's
1: sort of cornered the market on. on You know what I mean? Like, you just
0: don't see, like, you know, I'm a Muslim. Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not... Right. You don't see that T-shirt. I mean, you probably don't see that T-shirt, I'm a Christian, fuck you, but
1: still. No, I've seen it. (laughs) I've (laughs) seen it. So, no. uh, You know, I'm. what I'm happy to do is, is talk to anybody who's interested in atheism. Right. Because if you're interested in atheism, or... And that's not to say you want to be an atheist, or you feel like... Even if you're a religious person and you just don't understand how I could possibly feel the way I feel or you just can't relate to me. That's when I'm excited to talk to you about it because oh. what I get to do is present to you something that you've never seen before. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I do like talking about atheism in the right way out of, uh, in the right environment with the right circumstances, just because, like I said, there are so many misconceptions about it. It is an enormous positive, uh, part of my life. And, uh, you know, like you said, we're all human. We all have a desire to be understood and accepted. Um, and, and atheism is just one of those things that's still, even though, you know, secularism is on the rise, it's kind of on the fringe where, you know, you still have to swear on a Bible when you go to court, like there, there's not going to be an atheist president anytime soon. If if you look at polls, um, you know we're trusted less than certain criminals in, in, in certain I parts w- of the country.
0: I would argue that there's probably already been an atheist president. They just can't say that. There's well, never yeah, going to be yeah, an, yeah. an out an out loud atheist president.
1: <laughs> that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, I'm not going to point any fingers no you're you're right you know even you just have to keep that stuff guarded because there's such a guttural negative reaction to it so um that's where i like to to challenge you know the um uh, yeah. you know just the uh the whole view of it so negative I like to bring to
0: light the the positive um side of atheism uh, so okay speaking of of challenging now we're gonna let's get weird. All right, let's get weird. This is this is my part. This is where I want to hear the opinions of an atheist regarding different topics. And my first question, you know, with that in mind, is what would you say to someone who says that non-belief in God or creation or whatever you want to call it is as much of a stretch as as um belief because this is assuming that uh, knowledge is not the same as belief like when you know something you have empirical evidence to support that thing when you believe something it's just that it's a belief and how do you uh, how do you defend atheism because i feel like nobody really knows and i think we've covered that a little bit no n- people want to know but what do you say to someone who thinks that belief or non-belief is as much of a stretch as belief.
1: Well, this, this kind of goes back to the whole burden of proof thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, one of us is making a, a pretty outlandish claim when you're talking about an atheist <laughs> versus a theist. And um, for you to say that I don't believe that claim is a stretch or or more of a stretch than the claim you're making, you, I, I think, I think it requires... A pretty significant lack of self awareness to to say that or to think that because um, again I think that's one of the big misconceptions. I'm not saying there can't be. I'm just I'm just saying I don't
0: believe there is based you on have to be convinced
1: right. Okay. Um, but but then again, just because something can be, it's not a good argument for that. It is. It's just it's just not. <laughs> right. Um, I could be a hundred pounds thinner, but I'm not. Right. You know, it's it's like the Bertram's teapot thing. If, you know, um, I could say there's a teapot floating on the other side of the moon and you can't ever see it. There's no way to verify that it's there, but trust mm-hmm. me, it's there. It's like, well, there's no way to disprove that, right? Right. There's uh, at least, you know no uh no feasible or practical way to disprove that and also if you do get to see it it turns invisible i left that part out so there's always an answer for why it could exist or why it could be there that's not an argument for or at least not a convincing argument for that it is so um it just doesn't work that way you know we're 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 doing the logic backwards when we <laughs> approach things that way um and not only that you know when it comes to to uh, someone who believes in God and all that comes along with that, um, it's it's the things that we've learned, the things that we've discovered, to me are so much more rewarding and interesting and awe-inspiring than some of the religious explanations that mm-hmm. I was given. So, and again, there's evidence for those. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know you also you also touched on like the assumption that belief is not the same as knowledge. The way I've always looked at that is like you have a cup, and at the top of that cup is a fact, right? Mm-hmm. And to get to the top of that cup, you gotta fill it with something. Um, so if you have evidence it it raises the level of that liquid to the extent that it can reach the top and it becomes a fact. But when you don't have evidence. Say you have like I don't know a tiny amount of evidence or, or evidence that's not empirical or evidence that's uh-huh. flimsy and it's you know maybe a quarter of the way full for you you have to fill the rest of that space with something and that's what faith is. Uh-huh. faith faith is sort of yeah. the placeholder for for knowledge. so um, yeah I don't you know not to beat a dead horse, but right' it's, it's just not a fair comparison. For you know, to say that that
0: non-belief is is a, as much of a stretch as belief. So, why do you think some, if not most, people need answers to existential questions like why, and more importantly, why do we have to be right? What is it in us that makes us need that?
1: Um, it that's an interesting topic. So, I'll say first, when people are screaming that they're right. About something that's existential what they're really screaming is usually i'm scared (laughs) you know
0: man that is true yeah that is Um, truth
1: i hope i'm right (laughs) yeah um you know if if you're scared if you can't explain something um if some fact or some piece of evidence is fucking with your personal comfort zone you're just like you're swimming in this sea of cognitive dissonance right Where like Mm -hmm. your beliefs are in a fucking boxing match with with objective reality and that's that's so uncomfortable like that's such a a, a weird place to be yeah. um so you know existential questions what people need to be right because it's rooted in evolutionary biology believe it or not um it's hardwired into our brains like it's served a purpose to be right about things or to be sure about things that
0: weren't necessarily true. Um, Do you think that was just to aid in survival, like in a hundred percent more of a lizard brain perspective? It, it I guess, it coerced decision making. Yes, uh, that hundred percent.
1: It's all about survival. Seeing things that weren't really there, hearing things that weren't really there. That was a survival trait in early man. So, um, the most common example that I've heard is, you know, you're an early man, you're alone in the woods, you're hunting or gathering or doing whatever you hear a noise, right? You look up into the bushes, you see a pair of glowing yellow eyes, you run away. Okay. So you survived that encounter because you got away, Uh but say the yellow eyes were just some leaves that the light was hitting in a weird way. There wasn't really anything there. You still survived whereas right. the guy who looks up hears the noise sees the yellow eyes stands there cuz he's like well that ain't shit and it's a fucking panther <laughs> right that guy's dead and and his tendency toward disbelief kind of gets stamped out in an evolutionary sense so um that's something that that i think is um you know inherent in everybody we i agree we have these um, physiological responses. I mean, if you look at something, even like a pareidolia, like that's, it's just your brain trying to see faces and see patterns and in, mm. inanimate objects because we are trying to make sense of everything. We're trying to find the, you know, the equation of it
0: all all the time. So, so that being said, what what is the biological purpose for the existence of? humans or just anything in general. Like what, why, why are we here?
1: So you're asking a why question to an atheist, Uh right? That's your first mistake.
0: (laughs) But, but why questions are to me, because that's what, that is the common thread to Mm -hmm. me because neither side really with evidence explains why science can explain how, Science sure. can explain when, science can explain everything, but why? But and I, think, re- I
1: think the difference is science is not attempting to explain the why, whereas religion is attempting to explain the why. Right. And from, from a non-belief perspective, I almost feel like it's a, a misnomer that there needs to be a purpose, a, you know a, a purpose on high for something as nebulous as existence. I think we exist we know we exist and that's what we have that's what's on the plate right the why it's on the plate i don't know and the thing is maybe we will know and maybe we won't ever know but that shouldn't be the emphasis you know that i think the emphasis should be we're on the fucking plate what do we do with that and so i'm not so concerned with the why is, as as I am with the, you know, we're here and how do we derive meaning for ourselves without having a definitive answer as to why? Could there be like an invisible man in the sky who's who's puppeting the, you know, the ebb and flow of the universe and, and interjecting in our lives or not, or many gods or, you know, there were gods and the gods are dead or or we're inside of the marble at the end of Men in Black. Like any of those <laughs> things, again, just because That's something... That's the truth. there's a deep cut. <laughs> and it's fun to think. I'm not saying it's not fun to think about that stuff. You know, I get it, but it, it's not, again, because something can be doesn't, doesn't mean that it is or that it should or that, you know. So if any of those things are true, fine. But why does that have to affect... I mean you're talking about the briefest of moments of time that I'm alive and conscious here on earth in the in the way that we understand it right I have to derive meaning in my own life based on what I've got and um you know the the biological purpose for the existence of humans there could be no purpose that's also an option you know what I mean
0: see the, okay these are this is one of those things where you and I diverge now, I would argue that the asking of why, the philosophical thought, the ability to move outside of, you know, lizard brain existence is what makes us special. And and it it's why, in your opinion, why are we the only ones that seem to be questioning why? Why, you know, you don't see, to our knowledge, I guess that could be the answer, you don't see dogs, you know, the dog sitting over licking his nuts, he's not talking about, you know, thinking about why he, you know, his nuts itch. Like you do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's it's they the the animal kingdom is still very survival oriented and we have evolved or moved or whatever past that. And we are capable of these thoughts, of wondering why, of wondering what is the purpose of this. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, you know, you're you're describing consciousness
0: and um and
1: awareness really. And I think just because we are aware, um, and it gives us this amazing insight into, into, you know, just thinking about the universe, thinking about the mechanisms of, of how things work. Um, you know, but again, you're talking about consciousness, right? So consciousness is one of those things that, um, we don't understand. And, but, but my position is not, you know, my my position is not that it doesn't matter. My position is that it's okay that we don't understand. And that, um, you know, the purpose doesn't need to be in the understanding of it. Um, you know, you, you've got, like, guys like Carl Sagan, they always refer to that as, like, um, consciousness, rather. It, it, it's awareness by the mind of itself. Mm-hmm. Or there's, there's a good quote by um, Alan Watts, which was, uh, you know, through our eyes, the universe is... Um, is perceiving itself through our ears. The universe is listening to its harmonies. We are the witnesses through which the universe becomes conscious of its glory, of its magnificence, all of that stuff, that beautiful poetic stuff. I love
0: Alan Watts. He's actually the, the, like what catapulted me in the, Oh, nice. Yeah. Alan Watts was, was very instrumental to me to anyway, sorry to interrupt.
1: No, no. Hey, we're speaking the same language. So I think, I think consciousness is fascinating. And I think you know I do love that that idea of obviously like you know we're all made of the same matter throughout the expanse of the universe and the idea that we're the cosmos made conscious and you know looking in the mirror is pretty cool i don't I don't think that needs to go to a spiritual place to be cool or to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like what we don't understand about it doesn't diminish from the experience of being alive or um, you know, feeling rewarded or feeling in awe or feeling fulfilled. Um, you know, the, uh, going back to like, what is, what's the, it's basically the question of like, what's, what does it all mean? Like, what's the point of it all? <laughs> and and my argument is there could be no point. Like there could be no intrinsic um, end goal or design to it. It could oh, that's just no be fun, but it is fun. It You know, <laughs> if it, if it's random, if it's happenstance, if we're just so fucking lucky, the right mixture of elements and time and pressure and, and that led to existence and awareness. How fucking cool is that? Like that, you know, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I think that's just as rewarding as the idea that somebody designed you that way. You know, uh-huh. and, and again, not to say that either one of those is right or wrong. I just don't think that it takes anything away from the mystery and the wonder of of, uh,
0: of consciousness in the universe. So do you think that truth is a matter of perspective? Do you believe that perception is reality or do you believe that reality is reality? Is, it, is truth a finite thing or is it subjective? I believe that truth is completely objective. Um, I think we get
1: into trouble when it comes to subjective truth uh, because we're meat sacks, right? Like we we're are just, meat sacks. We're just w- water balloons that can see stuff, <laughs> and our um, perception, you know, of the world around us, natural or otherwise, is very, very flawed. Um, you know, so. How so? You know, we're talking about religion and the supernatural. Um, You can talk to people who believe in certain things, and they'll present you their evidences for them. And they're typically experiences that they've had that bolster those beliefs. So um, I know a lot of people that believe in ghosts, for example. Mm -hmm. There was a very haunted site that this guy worked in, he was uh, an engineer. I think it was a laboratory, like this building was just notoriously haunted. And the evidence was pretty good. Like people who have never met, never talked to each other, they all reported having pretty much the same experience in this space when they were working. And um, you know, it's pretty mysterious stuff, it's pretty spooky stuff. And when you have a bunch of strangers who have no knowledge, no prior knowledge of of any hauntings or any weirdness, say like oh, I got this this cold feeling the you know everything went i just it, and i turned around and there was a shadowy figure in the court like all of this stuff that um on paper seemed to demonstrate that there was something fucking weird going on you could stop there right and mm-hmm. you could say well based on that yeah there's this this lab is haunted there's clearly some sort of shadow demon lurking about and I've got independent, verifiable sources for, for all of that. And I've compared the notes, and there's no way they could have known, right? Mm-hmm. It happens with psychics. It ha- happens with a lot of phenomena. Right. So, so this one engineer, he, he dug deeper than that. He didn't stop there. And what he discovered was that the infrasound that was being created by this fan that was installed in, you know, say, <laughs> a year or two ago was vibrating. So this frequency, and it's inaudible, right? It's like Uh outside of of human hearing. What they didn't know was that it influenced the optic nerve Uh to the extent that it vibrated. And And it didn't happen in all people. You know, it's completely biologically random. So certain people, when they sit in that room, will see things that aren't there. They will hear things that aren't there. But there was a reason for it and um and it's objectively true you know you, you can test it and get the same results over and over again um whereas that subjective truth was like i saw a fucking shadow man you know what i mean like
0: would you because uh, i kind of feel like that's probably that uh, survival lizard brain runaway thing when you don't understand you automatically go to it's dangerous
1: dangerous and and you also again you you rely on the framework and the understanding you have of the world so for me personally being raised catholic i would experience sleep paralysis throughout my my adolescence mainly Um, which is fucking terrifying in itself which is and i tell you what man the first time it happened to me you could not convince me that i wasn't being possessed by a demon or something completely otherworldly And it was, Mm -hmm. if you've never experienced sleep paralysis before, you just imagine you're laying in bed, you're sleeping, you wake up, you can't move, okay? You're completely conscious, but you can't move. And you start hearing things. For me, I would hear this really deafening, this super loud, like whooshing sound. So right off the bat, it's like, oh, shit, something is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah, something is wrong. I'm laying next to my my wife, my girlfriend at the time, trying everything I can to move a pinky just give some signal of, like, help me. You know, something something's wrong. And then you start hearing voices, right? People are saying shit. Like you're hearing these demonic sounding, you know, like crazy <laughs> stuff. In some cases, you see figures in the room. You feel this pressure on your chest. They, you know, they call it this. I forget the term for it, but a, a hypnagogic demon that sits on your chest. <laughs> and uh, if you and the vibration, I mean, you, everything's shaking, and it's so traumatic, so scary. And then you actually feel as if you're leaving your body. You know, as the way that you hear like these out of body experiences described, like you're floating above yourself. So all of this is happening to you in the middle of the night. And keep in mind, my framework is a Catholic. So I'm like, Oh, here we go. I'm
0: like, shouldn't have fucked with that Ouija board. because I did something wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I still won't let one of those things in my house, man. Just in case, <laughs> just in
1: case. Yeah, it's wager, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: you got to be safe. You know what I mean? Don't start shit, won't be shit. That's why I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> don't, don't start
1: shit. I like that. Wouldn't be shit. So, yeah, I had those experiences and they were so fucking traumatic because yeah, that was my friend. And they kept happening, they kept happening, they kept happening, and they coincided. You know, time wise, with my um, discarding of my faith. So I had those experiences both as a Catholic and as an atheist. Huh. And when I started to research that phenomenon, it was really eye opening. Like, it, you know, sort of understood why it was happening, what was going on in my brain, you know, just the neurology of it. It was pretty right. fascinating stuff. That shit Everything does
0: fascinate I, me man like you know the more i go like through treatment and stuff for the PTSD like learning about what's actually happening in the brain is fascinating like yeah it's i wish it, i had it, had more motivation when i was younger to go to school for this shit because but uh, neuroscience is incredible it's, it's fucking amazing dude yeah. it really is but but
1: to circle back to my point when i was religious i stopped dead at up oh, demon Cause I had the proof, I had the proof, you know, the, the uh, subjective proof. And you couldn't tell me otherwise because there was a fucking demon on my chest. Like, what do you mean? It couldn't possibly be anything else. So to have the experience to step outside of that and to really learn what was, what was actually going on, you know, um, when I had those experiences, they weren't traumatic anymore. In fact, they were really kind of cool. Because I wasn't panicking and I wasn't mm-hmm. scared. It happened and I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I understand what's happening. I'm just gonna write it out. I'm just gonna see where it goes. You and know, I, I think exp- exp-
0: Go ahead, Zip, sorry.
1: No, no, no. I was just I was just gonna say it's one of the coolest experiences I've ever had was the last time it happened to me. It was so visceral and it it was mm-hmm. when you when you um like REM sleep dreaming and all of that, mm-hmm. like I it was it was so rewarding right and when i came out of that experience i was so fucking mad at myself my younger self <laughs> it's like look at what you robbed yourself of because
0: you were so afraid dude i and i, I have experienced not necessarily with a sleep paralysis but you what you're describing is similar to what i experienced during meditation which i try to practice semi regularly yeah and As a therapeutic tool, my counselor uses Erickson hypnosis, and I don't know if Uh you're familiar. Yeah, and it basically you're inducing that trance state that that, and you feel like you can move, but you feel heavy. You don't want to move. You know what I mean? And you're so far in your head that it's just. um, We used it in in PTSD capacity to establish a construct basically a happy place like he, mm. he induces the state and then you go in and uh you know whatever but with me it's always medieval i don't fucking know like uh, you yeah, know castles and dragons and shit that's just my jam but uh so now if i ever have an instance where i'm starting to spiral or whatever like i recall that feeling and you yeah. you, you you can it work it's amazing it's amazing but I, I feel like that's probably the same place or close to the same place when you actually, you, except that in my case, it's voluntary, but it's important what you said about exploring, like taking the time not to panic and to explore what is happening around you. And I think that goes into infinite things. Like it just it, don't panic. I think that's, uh, I mean, that's the message I in like general. That.
1: Douglas Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Don't panic.
0: It always goes back to Douglas Adams. man. It always does.
1: So yeah, to, to sort of like put a, put a cap on the, you know, perception thing. Um, I, I always really liked, um, I wouldn't call it a quote. It's more of just like a nebulous, probably a hundred people have said it different ways, but, um, it's the idea that there, there are no discrete things. Um, or objects of, of solid substance, things as we perceive them are, are just changing forms and patterns in nature as a whole. Mm. So, um, you know, you're not a small and lonely lost like right. thing in a foreign universe. You're a direct expression of the whole of the universe as it so currently is. And so you're that... just like, uh, just a little brief like candle in the in the dance of nature, you know? like Dude, uh,
0: that brings me perfectly into this question you mentioned that you have researched uh eastern religion which is a kick that i've been on pretty heavily thanks to alan watts mm-hmm. and Ram ramdas and uh i don't know do you listen to Ram ramdas at all Are you familiar with no, him? no. he was a uh, richard richard alpern is his name and he was a uh, an associate of timothy leary okay he was, a, he was an assistant uh, another professor at harvard um and he was involved heavily in a lot of the stuff that Leary was doing. And when they got kicked out of Harvard, Ramdas went like way into Hinduism. And he called himself a Buddhist Hindu. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. But he's he's actually the the voice that is in the intro to this song, that's Ramdas. And he did a lot of speaking, a lot of um uh, yeah lectures and stuff in the sixties during the whole guru movement. Like he was he was big into that. But it how do you feel about non-dualism, which is something that mm. has really struck a chord with me personally and really you know it, it's it's totally foreign to someone who grew up in any kind of Abrahamic faith but sure the, it, it it really to me is what you just described in that we're all just it's like like Taoism, like we're all just part of the whole and it it just so like
1: a big super. We're going to butt heads again on this one in oh, a, friendly, yes. in a yes. friendly way. No, I'm, I'm here for it. We can get so, nasty if
0: you want to. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, again, what I just said, minus the spiritual component. So the okay. oneness of the universe in the sense that we're all made of the same stuff, but not hmm. that we're connected in an intrinsic spiritual way, right? Okay. So, which is a lot of what non-dualism is. And non- mm-hmm. non-dualism is kind of a hard topic to broach because it gets applied to a lot lot of different philosophies and mm-hmm. those philosophies tend to be real different from each other so um, you know in terms of it being related to like oneness between um like conscious beings and, and the universe I think the only evidence of that is is the elemental makeup which all okay. matter in the known universe shares beyond right. that when you get into the spiritual when you get into the shared consciousness kind of side of the coin i have the same issues with that that i have with any other religious belief which is just a lack of evidence um i think with some of this some of these like more nebulous spiritual ideas they're less um harmful to me at least in my opinion um and, and what I mean by that is, like, if you have a, a belief in, and, and say, one, a, an Abrahamic religion, uh-huh. and you really adhere to that, um, those religions are, are strictly instructing you on how to live your life. Uh-huh. Now, whether you think that's positive or negative, that's a different argument. But I think it can be both, especially depending on how literally you take some of those teachings. Uh-huh. So, you know. If you're if you're a literalist and you understand that God is instructing you on how to treat your slaves or at what age mm-hmm. you can sell your daughter or whatever, right, yes, I think that's harmful. And I'd I would much prefer that you subscribe to to a sort <laughs> okay. of more nebulous non dualism. So you basically
0: know. what you're saying is that you don't see a lot of Hindus and Buddhists uh, you know, conquering neighboring countries in the name of what they believe and or uh waging holy war correct and i and i also
1: think that you know from an outside perspective it's more plausible if you're just looking at the you know just the cover of the book non-dualism versus abrahamic religion um non-dualism appears much more plausible or at least there's there's less barriers to get to yeah i think that could that could work how much have you looked into buddhism um, I like Buddhism a lot, yeah, me too. and what I like about Buddhism too is that it works as a completely secular
0: belief system, in okay. many ways. There's a whole uh, the traditions, as I understand it, in Buddhism are the dogma. It's the stuff that people have created yeah. in order how to, but the the actual teachings of the man. Or have been invaluable for me personally. I don't know if I would go so far as to consider myself a Buddhist because I don't necessarily practice a, a specific tradition, but
1: right. But influenced by by yes. the teachings of Buddhism, yeah, right. Yeah, and it's definitely. it's
0: yeah, it it is. Uh, you know, when they asked Buddha about God and about existential things, he remained silent. Like it's it, I don't know what I don't know. Like it's right,
1: the, right. You know, and that's and, a huge
0: uh, lesson, man. Yeah, it is a big yeah. lesson, and and I think that people. In general, could benefit from that lesson outside of how it's packaged.
1: <laughs> the Church of I don't know. That's where yeah, we got to start, yeah, man.
0: yeah, we're doing it. I want to. We could. Did you see the? Uh, was a guy in Idaho that started the Church of the? Uh, oh, it was like a whale sculpture, and he just wanted to see if he could do it, and he used Chat GPT to write like a holy scripture. Yeah, And it was, yeah. the, what was it called? Church of the something whale. I don't remember. It's hilarious, but he's, he's got merch and the whole thing. Oh, I'll have
1: to look into that. I've, I've always been fascinated by like the pasta Yeah. The was, church
0: of the flying spaghetti monster stuff
1: yeah. as a, as a sort of social commentary. So
0: this was his, his experience. How, how easy it would be to, to start a religion. Yeah. And okay. So this brings me to my final question. And I think I already know your answer. And I think it's going to be boring. But I'm going to ask it anyway. So what happens when we die?
1: No, no, hold on. Why does that have to be boring from an atheist? Because oh, you yeah. think I'm just going to say nothing.
0: Nothing. Lights out. <laughs> lights out. So that's man.
1: it. Yeah. Turn off. The... No. Um, <laughs> 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 Here's the thing. Here's why it's not going to be boring from an atheist. Okay. What happens when we die? Um, it, what, that's the question. That's the question that, that, is that the fuels question. so many of these beliefs. Um, by the way, they, they've got that peg that are on like 3000 religions throughout human history, give or take. Um, most people are atheists is about 2,999 of those. So we're closer than, than right. you think. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a nice little commonality. Um so from an atheist perspective, the, the biggest and first thing to understand is that we've accepted our mortality in a way that I think is a little bit more, and I'm, you know, again, prefacing all of this with like, I don't know, but I think, <laughs> it, I think it's, I think it's a very honest way to look at life. Um, you know, reality as we, as we experience it, it's accepted and understood. And in many ways, religion feels like how people avoid facing uh, our mortality. Uh-huh. So, what happens when we die? I didn't exist before I was born. I won't exist after I die. Um. I don't feel any particular way about like eighteen eighty two because I wasn't there, and I won't be there <laughs> in the future. Um, death is inevitable, and we have to reconcile the fact that we don't exist 99.9999% of all time, like all time in the universe. Like our, our existence is so brief, mind bendingly brief. Um, that's a, a major shift in thought to be in the moment and appreciate all the good stuff that happens in your life and all the bad stuff that happens in your life and all the people in it and all the experiences you have because knowing that it ends. Okay. Uh, that's for me, at least as an atheist, what makes it precious and what makes it beautiful, the finite nature of life is what gives it meaning. Just enjoy, you know, a full breath, the warm sun, uh, the cold snow, the voice of your loved ones, all of that stuff, all of that life stuff. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another quote cause I love quotes. This is, uh, Alan Littman, um, And I I believe this was part of like a bigger thing that that he put together. Um, But it was uh, all the individual atoms cycled through her body and then cycled through wind and water and soil cycled through generations and generations of living creatures and minds will repeat and connect and make a whole out of parts. Although without memory, they make a memory. Although impermanent, they make a permanence. Although scattered, they make a totality. So I think that for me the beauty of life and kind of the beauty of atheism is um that it doesn't go on forever.
0: Huh. Man, I got cold chills, bro. <laughs> oh, that was not boring. It was yeah, it was better know. than than wait it's done. And yeah. then you're worm food and that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's kinda of what I was hoping for. But <laughs> yeah, whatever. If you want to get all philosophical now, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Man, man. So, yeah, atheism, good. Not bad. That's, that's a the, good takeaway for me. That's what i am taken away. That's what i am taking away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, like, what, um, what, what are your parting thoughts with, with this whole thing? What do you, if you could pick one thing that you want the tens of people that are going to listen to this uh, to know mm-hmm. about atheism or you specifically as an atheist, not saying that you speak for the whole of atheism, but
1: what do you want uh, people thought,
0: to know about you?
1: I thought I did.
0: Um, yeah, do it again. Sum it up. Come on. <laughs> give me a, give me a, you know, put a bow on
1: I guess my, my aim, like what's really important to me is is providing people who maybe haven't heard the perspective of an atheist, um, just to give them some insight into why it's a force of good for, for many people, for me. Um, the positive impact it's had on my life, the comfort, which it provides, all of that seems antithetical to people who don't understand it. So I like to get that across. Um, myself
0: included. I was one of those people because I I think, I think it gets branded Richard Dawkins.
1: (laughs) Richard's got a, uh, yeah, he's got a harsh way with words. Yeah. That's Um, one way to put it. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think it does get branded as being, um, Negative and pessimistic, uh-huh. and, like you said, uh, nihilistic, and all of that. And can that be true for some people? Sure. I I just don't think it's representative of what it really is. Um, it, it, it seems like a persistent myth uh-huh. um, that it's that it's a negative thing. Also, just just to address that, like you know, from that same perspective, from a religious perspective, that just can't understand. Like, how do you even? function how do you know right from wrong why aren't you going around raping and killing people like (laughs) that kind of stuff really bothers me you know what I mean it should (laughs) right so I guess just to dispel those those myths that without God life has no meaning or purpose um, to show that there's much more that defines us than our disbelief in the God that you believe in Um, you know for me like I said it's had a huge impact on my life Uh, We live in a world that's just like bursting at the seams with beauty and wonder and inspiration. And uh, my life is happy and full. And I don't think it's pointless when life itself is the point. So um, our meaning becomes truth. Our our journey to it doesn't end with just one book or one idea. There's huge amounts of joy in uh, in the unknown and the thrill of discovery. There's so much power in not knowing. Uh, cause those who don't know, those are the ones that work the hardest to find out. So, um, I'm, I'm here for that. Uh, Yeah. As far as, as far as death and all of that stuff, um, what we give in our lifetime, the people we love, the memories we leave behind, like that's how we live on in my opinion. Um, and like I said before, it carries the weight life does of knowing that, that we get one chance. So That old saying, the hands that help are are better far than the lips that pray. I try to live that, you know, Uh and, and humanism is a big part of that. I have to speak to what you put together, man, for, for Doug's family. Like all of that was so inspirational to me as a humanist, because one of the, I guess, core tenets of, of humanism is like, we're all we've got, (laughs) you know, and, and to be there for each other is just what we have to do and it's not it's not for the hope of reward it's it's you know good for goodness sake so
0: it's um I, you know this is mighty buddhist of me but it's um i think it's our responsibility to build each other up
1: yeah yeah man
0: and, you know in in any way that you can well man I, uh, thank you so much for doing this dude this has been incredibly eye opening for me and informative and just an awesome conversation oh and, dude uh, i had a i had a blast
1: I, yeah. I i'd love to come on anytime i appreciate you asking me yeah and man, uh, this
0: i've got i got some cool stuff lined up dude i hope you i hope you enjoy it like a, it's it's gonna be i guess people from way like lots of different backgrounds it's gonna be a lot of fun so man at this time let's uh you know before we close up shop here go ahead and do your uh do your thing man plug your stuff what do you got what, uh, where can uh, people find you? What do you want people to find? What do you not want people to find? Uh, Let me start with the things I don't want people to find. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Let's see. Well, relating to what we were talking about today, um, it's not super active, but if you go on Facebook and you search for um, everything is enough atheist blog or something like that, I had been contributing to that for a couple of years. So that's out nice. there in the in the ether, in the internet ether. Um, you know, I talked about like how I thought the Mandalorian was was uh <laughs> was <laughs> atheist. There's some interesting stuff on there. Um it sounds goofy and it is goofy. Um yeah, for me, um I'm, I'm I'm still doing uh, conventions with art. I'm gonna be at MegaCon. Uh, which is the big show down in Florida, in Central Florida? So you can come find me in Artist Alley at MegaCon this year, all all four days I'll be there. Uh, I've got some shows coming up with uh, with TV Generation, punk band out of Orlando.
0: Um,
1: all that stuff's on Facebook. You just right. go on Facebook. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna link the Art of Eric bon, Pabone, all that stuff in the oh. show description. So thank you, thank you, Sean. Well, man. Let's uh, let's wind it up, dude. I really appreciate you being here, Eric. Seriously, like it's uh, it's been fun. All right, guys. Well, that is it for my interview with Mr. Eric Babone, and we will see you next time.